Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com. This week at Safeway, enjoy big savings with the BOGO sale, where select items throughout the store are buy one, get one free. With this week's BOGO sale, get select meats like Signature Farms 90% lean ground beef or boneless, skinless chicken breasts or thighs, buy one, get one free. Plus, select fresh produce items like one-pound containers of sweet strawberries or containers of blueberries or buy one, get one free. Safeway, come in and explore and see what other deals you can find. Memorial Day. It's Chris Marilyn for John and Ken, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. And Blake Trilley is with me right now. Blake, uh, I know that there were uh, millions of Americans who were making their way to various cemeteries across the country today to remember those that have fallen, whether they were family members or friends or uh, simply to pay their respects for veterans who, who gave all. Uh, so, Blake, uh, this was part of your, your coverage this morning as well, I know, was, was uh, taking in some of these remembrances, right? Yeah, and, and, and yeah, you, you talk about across the country, but really there were a lot of Memorial Day remembrances right here in Southern California. You know, there, just in the L.A. area alone, there were plenty to uh, plenty to kind of choose from, you know, which one to cover. We headed to the Los Angeles National Cemetery. Uh, this is the first time they've been able to actually have people, have the public back in person to pay their respects for fallen veterans. So uh, it was a huge year for the people that were putting this on. They say, you know, it, it's just extra special to have people back this year able to pay their respects in person. Uh, and, and one of the people I spoke to, he he was one of the speakers at this remembrance ceremony. This is Chaplain Dove Cohen. He served since the Vietnam War. So he's been a chaplain 
He says next wow. month it'll be 60 years. Can you believe that? 60 years. Wow. And I, I told him, you know, this day has to mean so, you know, it has to have just an extra sense of meaning for you as a chaplain. Chaplains work with the families of people who've fallen in war. And he says, yeah. And, and he said one of the hardest things he's had to do is work with people who are scared to go to combat. So they're afraid before they go and they, yeah. they end up not coming back. So they know the risks, oh. you know, they have the fear going in and they end up not coming back. Here's a, a story he had. This is from the Vietnam uh, War, this story. We trained with a group at Lackland Air Force Base um, in uh, San Antonio. And then when I came back from Europe, they sent me to Eglin Air Force Base, Florida, where they trained a lot of the helicopter pilots, Army, at the Air Force Base. Uh, and I would say the percentage was something like 80, 81 percent that did not come back. And he said wow. it was just so hard working with that many people, developing these relationships with them, getting to know them and to lose them. You know, for him, it's challenging. You know, it's challenging for him. It's challenging for the families. One of the uh, one of the questions I asked was just, you know, about how, you know, I said, how 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 long do these families seem to feel pain from losing someone to battle? And he said for a lot of families that the pain just uh, it just never goes away. How oh, long have, do you work with these families that, that have oh, lost? As long as, needed. as long as needed. There are some people I've been in touch with over 50 years, and, and we still stay in touch. We send Christmas cards. We, I've been to some of their weddings of their kids. The husband didn't come back. In those days, there were very few women in service, so the majority killed were, were uh, men. But I would get invitations to come to the kid's wedding or baptism or something. And I've been all over the country just trying to do that, to, to lend a hand. So some families 50 years still in pain. Well, yeah, I'll, today I'll be a chaplain on June 25th, 60 years. He said in 60 years, too, and I thought this was profound. He said in 60 years, it doesn't get easier. He says it doesn't get as easier going and speaking to these no. families that have lost loved ones in war. Um, so oh, my goodness. You know, it was just really powerful to speak to somebody like that um, at the memorial. And, and, and there, you know, there is a, um, a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a silver lining, but there is a really cool story here. Um, at the, at the, the cemetery, um, there's 90,000 uh, grave sites at the cemetery. And they wanted to put an American flag in each, at each grave site. It's a tradition. Mm -hmm. Usually they have eight to 10,000 scouts. These are Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, and Eagle Scouts to do the work. Right. This year, they only had 2,500 to do so, and they can't do it too far out because they want the flags to stay in, you know, in nice condition yeah. for the ceremony. So they had 2,500 scouts, uh, again, Boy Scouts, uh, Eagle Scouts, and Girl Scouts working extremely fast, extremely hard to, to make sure that this display was done right. I mean, just from a logistical standpoint, that is uh, quite an undertaking, just to have all of the flags there, to line up a bunch of, uh, in some cases you're talking about young kids, right? And sometimes that's like trying to herd cats, uh, and getting all of them uh, just to do this. That is a remarkable endeavor just to get the flags in place. I, Blake, this... And uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it, ahead. And, and one thing to note, too, is it's not like they just plant the flags and keep walking. They actually place the flag. They step back. They read the veteran's name. They salute. And then and they salute, move yeah. to the next grave. So this is an, yeah. all, it's also not something you can do very fast. No, no, it's a it's an it's an interesting ritual that uh, that goes on. Like you said, yeah, not just planting the flag and then moving on. Uh, each one has its own mini ceremony, basically, when that happens. This this chaplain. 
I, I'm just thinking as you, as we're talking about him, 60 years that he's been a chaplain, some families with whom he's been in contact for, for over 50 years that lost loved ones. And I just think of, of how important he is uh, to these other people as, I guess, sort of that, that um, I don't even know, I, I, I guess I'm, the words I'm looking for escape me now, but it would be, uh, he's, he's almost like that, that safety blanket for them. Right. I mean, he when they are feeling emotionally difficult, they keep going back to him because he was there from the beginning and he has become a a family member to them as much as anyone else, because he he his presence reminds them of the love they had for the love for the lost. And they know that others have that same love as well. Right. And I just it's such an incredible undertaking by that chaplain to continue to do it for as long as he has, to continue to stay in contact with these other people. And, uh, and, and I just think, as you mentioned, Blake, it doesn't get any easier. Of course it doesn't get any easier. And what an incredible individual that person is. And, uh, and I think we need to remember you know, the sacrifices that are being made by people who are, are still with us, uh, that are our connection to those that we've lost. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I also spoke to somebody about that I thought was interesting is he said, you know, one uh, faction of veterans that we've lost to battle, they didn't necessarily die when the war was happening, but when they came home dealing with PTSD. And, uh, you know, he was opening up to me about, you know, losing friends to that. And I could tell that that was a a big portion of the the veteran population he wanted to make sure uh, to speak about today was the ones not that necessarily died in battle but but uh, came home to uh, a, a host of challenges and uh, you know we're lost in that process sure and of course as we know Blake uh, suicide is one of the leading causes of death for for members of the military and um, and boy what a great point you make too and what a great point he makes as we try to remember uh, hey thanks for thanks for doing the story today Blake I, I, I appreciate you being out there and being able to relay that to us and and um, you know, share the positivity of the scouts who went out there and, and did what they needed to do, and and then great people like this chaplain that you talked to. I think it's a, it's an uplifting moment at a time of remembrance, and and I think we need those 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 beacons um, in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. So I you. think the, the the feeling through everybody that was there was thankful. You know, thankful yeah. that there's people that go out and and do stuff that's not very that's not very not easy at all. Mm-mm. You know, going Mm-mm, into battle. All. Yeah. All right, Blake. Thank you so much. Uh, great yeah. report. Thank you. I appreciate right, that. Yeah. When I was uh, younger, um, I was in the high school band. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to steal uh, thunder from anybody else, uh, but just kind of a, an anecdote. Uh, I was in the high school band. I played tuba, right? I'm a big guy, and I was the guy that could carry the tuba. <laughs> Other people couldn't carry the big, the great big sousaphone. And one of my best friends was a trumpet player. So I was a junior. Uh, he was a sophomore, but we were at the end of the school year. And he was the first chair trumpet player, and he was he was chosen to play taps. We the, the high school band always went. It was voluntary, we, but almost everyone showed up for the uh, the Memorial Day um, uh, graveside service. And we played. I think we played the national anthem, and I think maybe we played one or two patriotic songs as well. And then he would play. Uh, one trumpet player would play taps, and he was first chair trumpet, so he was chosen to play taps. And his sophomore year, he was so nervous. And Taps is not a very difficult uh, song. Uh, you play trumpet, you can play it on a bugle, and he I, I think he ended up playing it on a bugle the second time he did it. But the first time he did it, he just played it on his trumpet, and he was so nervous that he just couldn't get the notes out right. It was horrible. 
And I'm sure people tell him, don't worry. His name was Tom. He's a great guy. And they said, Tom, don't worry about this. You know, nobody's going to remember this. But I just want to remind Tom that I remember. I don't remember because he because it was uh, because he aired because everyone was supportive. They knew he was nervous standing there at the gravesite in this solemn moment, and he wanted everything to be perfect. And and uh, of course, he, psychologically, it just it wasn't there for him. But the next year, he was still first chair. I was a senior, getting ready. In fact, I graduated that that uh, Friday before, but still wanted to be there with the band to play this Memorial Day thing. And Tom was a, a junior. Um, and he was chosen again. And I know he was twice as nervous because the previous year he had done such a, uh, his nerves had gotten the best of him. I don't want to say he did a poor job because I don't want to say that about him. He was a great guy, but his nerves got the best of him. I think he pulled a bugle out this time. And um, it was one of those moments where you're, you're rooting for somebody, right? You're just cheering. I mean, he was a good friend of mine anyway, but we were just rooting for him to, to be able to, to remember, you know, to, Oh, let's let's make good on that. And he did it. He nailed it. It was perfect. It was wonderful. And so I think of as Blake's talking about these these Cub Scouts that are out there that are laying those flags and and saluting and, and reading the names of, of the fallen. I think about the people that have to organize these different events. I think of the different uh, veteran groups that are making sure things go smoothly. I think of people like the chaplain. And then I think of everyone else that's part of these these different ceremonies, including that that nervous, pimple-faced high school kid trying to make sure he doesn't goof things up. Uh, it really is. It's a community effort. And uh, and I'm so proud of everybody that's been a part of that. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm proud of uh, Blake for being out there and reporting on that and being able to bring that to you. It's a, it's a great way to remember those that have, have sacrificed so much for all of us to be able to do silly things like sit here and talk on the radio about coyotes in the backyard or coyotes in your house, which is what happened to one person in Woodland Hills. We'll talk about it next. Chris Merrill in for John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere in your iHeartRadio app. I'm Chris Merrill in for John and Ken. Uh, did you happen to catch this? Uh, I was watching the story. Uh, uh, CBS 2 had the story, and I was watching this about the, the woman with the coyote that was just tiptoeing across the top of her fence. It was wild. And then he just scaled along this fence here. Julie Levine has lived in Woodland Hills for 45 years, but she's never had this type of an encounter. Well, very shocking. Um, I mean, I, of course we all know that coyotes are out there. They all can hop fences, but you certainly didn't think about him going through a dog door. And it was all caught on camera. You can see a pretty good-sized coyote in Levine's backyard and going into her home through her doggy door. Oh, man. Levine, an animal lover, has a few dogs herself and runs a nonprofit called Canine Rescue Connection. She says the coyote was in her home for at least two minutes before her oh, dog my. scared the coyote off. They're out there and they're very bold and they 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 just don't, doesn't matter. They're just looking for any way they can get food or water or or who knows if, it's, if they're going to bring more back with them. Okay, listen. I've only seen a coyote on top of one of those. It was a block fence. I've only seen that happen one time in person, but I hear about it all the time. And she caught this on the security cam. I don't know if it was like a ring cam or, you know, whatever, something like that. So this coyote is tiptoeing across the top of this fence. And it's like your normal, what, five, six foot fence, whatever it is. And uh, and I'm always impressed by the coyotes that are doing this because we really are just talking. Uh, I don't I don't mean to trivialize this or, or be uh, flippant at all, but we're talking about something in the dog family. Now, you have probably seen dogs that will do tricks and a tiptoe, and sometimes dogs get a little uh, 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 adventurous on their own, right, without training or prodding from the from the owners. 
but it seems that these coyotes, and I don't know, maybe it's just a few coyotes that are acrobatic coyotes or have that proclivity, but in, it just seems like these coyotes, all of them are willing to tiptoe across this uh, on a block fence like this, uh, a block wall. And that's, that's what they do. And then it goes, huh. Now, this woman runs a dog rescue, and maybe it smelled the other dogs, but it, eh, how about that? There's a door in the door. Yeah, I wonder if I can get in there. Coyote drops down and just right into the house. Whoop, in it goes. And as we continue to build into the coyote habitat, we're going to have more and more of these uh, run-ins, right? I mean, this is, we know what the deal is on this. You know how it goes. You you keep pushing animals into tighter and tighter spaces, and eventually the animals are going to try to integrate into your spaces. We know that this is how it works. But we all say, well, I've got a house. I don't have to worry about the wildlife. Oh, yeah, you do, because they're coming. And you, coyotes are going to be the first to adapt. We already know that the, the, the canines, dogs, have already adapted to domestication. Canines aren't very far from sneaking up to the camps like dogs did however many thousands of years ago before they became domesticated. You're going to have coyotes that are going to, they're going to kind of get closer and closer and try to get as much food as they possibly can, and I don't blame them. I did some camping uh, last summer. And I don't know if you've ever heard, it is, maybe I should try to pull this up. Maybe we can find a, a YouTube on this. But I, I heard coyotes yipping. Have you ever heard this? It is freaky. Um, it sounds like, it's not, a, oh yeah, here we go. It's a yipping barking. This is just from YouTube. I just grabbed this. So this is exactly what it sounded like. I was camping and I heard this and I couldn't figure out what it was. No, I've heard coyotes howl before, right? I grew up in, in the woods, and I've heard coyotes howl, but I hadn't heard this before. And so it it almost resembles like a, a 1950s Western, you know, when they had the stereotypes of indigenous peoples, and it was always like, you know, they were all hooping and whooping in circles and things like that. That's what this sounded like. And I, I turned to my wife, and I said, what the hell is going on out there? Oh, by the way, guys, I haven't monitored this, so I'm hoping that whoever is filming this doesn't swear. So just get ready on the on the dump button, just in case. I don't know. Here. Let's see if we can hear this. All right, now if you heard that, you might go, "Okay, that's coyote." Let's see if I can, if they start yipping. It gets. I thought this is a video I pulled up before. It's crazy how they all just start yipping. I don't know, maybe I grabbed one that doesn't do it. Alright, whoever's filming it is just kind of shining off into the distance. But he's up here. Yeah, okay, that's just one. It is so bizarre to hear them. It just sounds it, it's it's this uh, that that yip 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 you just heard. Now imagine if if there were like ten of them doing that all at once. It's just this yip 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 yip. It is the weirdest, most bizarre. There you go. All right, you're hearing just the howling there. So anyway, if you're hearing that, maybe lock the doggy door. Just, just go ahead and slap a little. Don't let that in there. Also, don't leave your animals out at night. It, it seems so duh, but uh, my wife lost a cat to a coyote because she just said, oh, the cat just comes and goes as it pleases. Knowing full well that this had happened, my sister-in-law lost two cats 
oh, the cats just go out. Well, you know, they just come and go as they want. And I, we say, okay, well, you know, they're going to get eaten by a coyote. Oh, no, that won't happen. Two times! My wife lost one before we met. And then her sister was like, oh, well, that'll never happen to my cat. And it does! And then she says, well, certainly it could happen again. And it does! So don't leave your cats out. All you're doing is asking the coyotes to come in and put a lid over your garbage. Just do that. Do that. They still might come in, but at least they're not gonna they're gonna have reason to come back again. All right. One of my favorites is talking about space junk. Next, Chris Merrill in for John and Ken, KFI AM640 live everywhere in your iHeartRadio app. I love space stuff. I love it. I I was not really one of those kids that wanted to be an astronaut, but I uh, I I don't know what it is about space. I think it's that it's so unknown. There is no limitation on what could be out there. None. And I love that. I love that it's kind of like, um, let me make a bad analogy. Imagine you find a show on Netflix that you love. And imagine that there are, there are more episodes than you could possibly watch. You would never have that feeling of, oh, it's over. And the show would never get any worse. It would always be your favorite show. Imagine that. That's what I feel like space. It's always going to be there. And there's always something new. And there's always another episode. I love it. I love it. It allows me to dream. But sometimes we start thinking of space coming a little bit closer to home, right? Yeah. So what happens when space is here? And by that, I mean, suppose that space just basically follows us home, like a stray dog. That's kind of what happens with the UFO stuff. There's always speculation about the UFOs. And to be frank, I don't buy a whole lot of it. But I love the dreaming aspect. I watch that Ancient Aliens on on History Channel. I love that crap. I love it. I watch that Expedition X on History Channel where they're just following things around, trying to figure out if it's supernatural or aliens or something like that. I love that crap. I don't believe any of it, but I love the dreaming aspect. Love it. So a couple of things that I, I'm digging on right now. There's this uh, Google Earth user um, that, let me see, uh, user at Google Maps Fun. There we go. Uh, was on, is this on TikTok? I think it's on TikTok. Um, Exploring Google Earth near French Polynesia when they zoomed in on an island called Starbuck Island. All right, and you're thinking, oh, this is where you get your frappe. No, they started exploring Starbuck Island uh, and they noted something that they claim was uncanny. They spotted a long streak across the land and and they thought, what is going on on this abandoned island that there would be this long streak on this Google Earth photo? So they go over the object located on the beach asking if it's a UFO crash. And so TikTok goes crazy. Uh, one user writes Starbucks Island, where Starbucks came from. Uh, another says it's a leftover building from the guano collection of the 19th century. It's named Starbucks after the captain who discovered it. There you go. Uh, and then another user writing about the, the strange stuff. But anyway, they claim, oh, 
The guano deposits worked on the island from 1870 to 1920, and attempts were made to plant coconut trees but failed. The island became part of the, the another colony in 1972, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they say there were some shipwrecks in that area, but here is this mysterious streak on the island. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Let me see if I can kind of, I can't really zoom in a whole lot on this. It does appear, this long streak that they're claiming, it appears like there's almost some sort of a track and then there's some sort of a, I don't, I don't know what it would be. It looks as though something dragged along this island and came to rest in the sand, leaving a trail behind it. Some are saying, that's it. It's UFOs. They're here. And we found them on Google Earth. It's not the craziest thing. Congress was holding uh, hearings this month in May uh, to try to figure out what was going on with some of these uh, UFOs. And by UFOs, I mean unidentified flying objects or uh, what do they call this? Is it unidentified aerial phenomena? Is that what they're calling it now? Yeah, it's UAP now. UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena. Okay, thank you, uh, Mark. See, you're smart. Uh, So they had um, uh, the deputy director of naval intelligence. His name is Scott Bray, and he was uh, testifying with Congress. We haven't heard about this. I just thought it's a a good story to share with you here as as we wrap up our our Memorial Day show. Uh, Because you never know. I mean, uh, a lot of these things are coming from the Navy. And fighter pilots who are accustomed and trained to deal with the enemy, enemy combatants, uh, and, and, and all the things that we would assume, they, but when you're talking about unidentified aerial phenomena that is moving in a manner that seems physically impossible, or at least defies our understanding of uh, machines and physics today, that's got to be freaky. I mean, these guys are traveling four, five, six hundred miles an hour in their in their in their fighter jets and something is outrunning them and then stopping and turning on a dime look maverick can't do that all right it might look like it in the movies but what these things are doing are things that can't be explained at least that's what the navy is saying scott bray is saying here is something and he says quote i don't have an explanation about what this is another one pointing out the uh, some sort of a triangular shape captured by night vision camera of the u.s naval air systems command Uh, They say this triangular object was flying over the sky of the United States, stopped for a moment, didn't appear to have any propulsion, eventually flashed, and then disappeared. Almost like one of those old, um, remember, uh, uh, Mark, you and I are old enough to remember this, right? Remember the the, the computer monitors of the 1980s? They all had like the green lettering. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yeah. So imagine if instead of having that block cursor flashing, imagine if it were a triangle and then it just disappeared. Except that instead of being on a monitor, the sky is your monitor. So you're watching, imagine if you were watching one of those old green cursors flashing in the sky above you, and then it just vanishes. Woo! You've probably already seen the photos of some of these uh, aircraft, these, I, I call them aircraft, we don't know exactly what it is. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe this is, maybe there is some sort of a computer program glitch and it's just showing up on the screen, but I don't think that's the case. I don't know what these things are. 
Pilots identifying a spherical object crossing the plane very quickly. You've probably seen some of these. Uh, one, I believe, came out of Florida. One happened with some guys that were training in San Diego that, that saw these things that were flying, moving, out racing, you know, out, out, out racing the, uh, the, the Navy fighter jets. Uh, no idea. Uh, no organic or inorganic material has ever been uh, collected. U.S. intelligence teams have yet to discover anything of non-terrestrial origin, even though there are unexplained aerial phenomena, even though these things are doing aerial maneuvers that we find to be impossible. There's been no tangible evidence ever recovered. Organic, inorganic, no unexplained debris has ever been recovered. And I have to tell you, this is one of the biggest reasons I don't buy into any of the UFO conspiracy theories right here. We went to the moon, and what is the first thing that we did? The very first time that we put humans on the moon, the very first time someone physically set foot on another celestial body, what is the first thing we did? Left crap behind. In fact, the very first time we ever sent anything from Earth to another celestial body, the first thing we did was leave crap behind. The very first chance we got to put something on Mars, what did we do? We crashed it and left crap there. The fact that we don't have any evidence of debris from any other extraterrestrial civilization tells me they haven't been here. What we found is something unique and unexplainable. We don't know what it is. And because we don't know what it is, we allow our minds to wander and our imaginations to take over. Again, that's the whole reason I love space crap in the first place, though. I also love completely absurd, nutty spit. I'm using, yeah, not not actually saliva, Mark. You're looking at me funny. No, no it's uh, fine. Not, I, I, I got to yeah. ask, though, if, if a civilization's advanced enough for interstellar travel... Might yeah. they not also be advanced enough not to litter on the places they go? Oh, you think maybe they're just really good at recycling? Yeah, maybe they just pick up after themselves. <laughs> or maybe they don't care, right? Maybe they don't need to clean up after themselves. They're like, we're so advanced, we don't need to. We're probably we'll just, just livestock to them anyway. Why should they care? Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. Deserve man. It's, it's just like the old Twilight Zone episode. Again, I can't get enough of it. I love this crap because it allows our imaginations to run wild. Mark, I make a point. You make a counterpoint. We both have merit. I love it. This is why I love space crap. Love it. All right. Uh, I'll talk some more of this uh, other random spit next. Uh, it's Chris Merrill in for John and Ken, KFI AM640 Live everywhere on your iHeartRadio app. Uh, one of the strangest stories that is popping here this weekend, and, and I love a good bizarre story. It's Chris Merrill in for John and Ken, KFI AM640. It's more stimulating talk. One of the uh, one of the greats here. I, I love this story because it's so freaking bizarre was the story of Mona Lisa getting hungry. I can only assume she was hungry because someone tried to feed the painting from uh, ABC here. There is new video out of Paris this morning that shows the mess left behind after somebody decided to smear cake right over the Mona Lisa. Look at this footage. What? Why cake? You're in France. You want to do something with cake, and you decide Mona Lisa? Was Marie Antoinette busy? So look at this footage. In the center there, you see a man cleaning that cake off the artwork's protective glass. <laughs> How is he cleaning it off? Well, you know, he's just kind of, he's licking his thumb and he's just going to, just hold still, Junior. We're just going to kind of wipe this. It's got a little bit on the side of your face here. Come on, Dad. Yeah, it does have glass protecting it. It happened yesterday. People at the Louvre say that the man dressed up as an old lady 
jumped out of a wheelchair, smeared the cake over the glass. Yeah, people heard him yelling out, quote, think about the planet, end quote. The man was eventually what? removed by security. Leonardo da Vinci's famous artwork unharmed thanks to the glass. What? Think about the planet. What? What does cake on a Mona Lisa have to do with the planet? I know. I'll destroy something priceless in order to draw positive attention on my, my, my major issue. Yeah. No, it doesn't really work. I was uh, reading up on this a little bit. I guess they had the guards were cleaning cake from the glass. Don't you think, and I could be mistaken on this, but I'm just thinking, if I'm in charge of, of uh, the Mona Lisa, I'm a guard. Let's say I'm a guard. Let's say you're a guard. Let's, let's, let's make this your fault. Let's say you're a guard at the Louvre in France, right? And Petri, we. And someone does something as asinine as throwing a cake, and no telling if it was chocolate cake or angel food cake. We really don't know, although it would make a big difference as far as the cleaning process or, say, an Oreo cake of something of some sort. Just suppose, then, that you are in charge of this thing and uh, and someone throws cake on it. Now, granted, the, 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 the painting has a glass cover. Do you know why the painting has a glass cover? Because... Some goober back in the 1950s uh, threw acid on the Mona Lisa. Yeah. So then they said, well, we just can't have nice things. And they had to put glass over it so that nobody could throw acid on the Mona Lisa again. This guy, instead of acid, decides, ah, I'm, I got, I won't, I won't destroy that painting with acid. I'll destroy it with diabetes. Yeah, cake. And poof, off it goes. So they, they have to cover it with glass, and uh, Doofus throws cake on it. Now, if you are in charge, let's say you're one of the guards, and, and you, you get a hold of this, uh, this jokester, this, uh, this activist that decides that the best way that they can uh, make some sort of a, a statement is by using the, uh, the cake on the Mona Lisa, do you run right over there with a handkerchief and start wiping it off? Now, I know the painting is protected. It's behind glass. I get that. But I, I don't it, I don't think it's I think it I mean maybe I'm mistaken here. I'm just looking at the photograph itself of what's going on and it appears and maybe this is meant to maybe this is deceptive but intentionally so. It appears that the Mona Lisa is in a frame like you would have a, a framed picture in your home with a piece of glass over the front again like you would have a, a picture in your home. Now I can only assume that this glass is probably reinforced somehow. Uh, probably not just a pain that they picked up at the, at the local Ace Hardware, you know. I think this is probably security glass of some sort, but it does not appear like that, that you know, that glass encasement that they have for the Declaration of Independence. It doesn't appear to be something like that. Again, I could be mistaken. Maybe it's just, maybe it is, but it's deceptively made in a manner that makes it look like it's not. But I'm just supposing that if this is, in fact, just a piece of glass with on the frame, Again, maybe more of a security glass. I don't think I'd run right over there and start cleaning it up and start wiping it down. I think I would want to have one of the one of the museumers take care of that. When you want to have some sort of an art professional, uh, what do they call them? Curators? Some sort of an art deco person? Uh, somebody at least named Art uh, come over and clean that thing off? Uh, because... I would be terrified of, I don't know, sloshing the glass around in the frame and doing damage. But 
whatever. The guards took care of it. They got the glass cleaned off, and, of course, everybody was in line to see the Mona Lisa, and they all started taking pictures of it. What are you going to do? Uh, oh, real quick, i got the, just a minute left. Let me see if I can make you a little bit safer this summer. Uh, I hate bugs. I hate them. Not a big fan of mosquitoes. And my wife keeps buying into these really dumb mosquito things, like, you know, the little bracelets that look like an old phone cord that they, that they wrapped up. That's what it looks like. And my wife keeps buying these and saying, put this on your wrist. It'll keep the mosquitoes away. Uh, does not keep the mosquitoes away. Those citronella candles that you get, right, do not keep the mosquitoes away. Now, I know that you've been told they do, and I know that they smell good. If you want to burn one of those citronella candles outside on the deck while you're enjoying your, your Memorial Day barbecue, then then go ahead and do so uh, because you like the smell, but don't expect it to actually work on, on, on bugs or mosquitoes or anything like that. That is just not the case. And I tell people this, I grew up in the backwoods, I know this. How do you keep bugs away? You have to have something with DEET in it. You want to keep mosquitoes away, you have to use something with DEET in it. Or there's also another one called uh, Picardin, uh, Picardin, I believe, uh, that you can put on your clothing or if you're camping or whatever, you can use that. If you're not using something with DEET or this Picardin, you're probably not going to keep the mosquitoes away. Although, there is a good and easy, cheap way to keep mosquitoes away from you. Fans work wonders. Mosquitoes are terrible flyers, and a fan will keep them away. Did you know? Have a bug-free summer. Thanks for hanging out. Chris Merrill in for John and Ken, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk and live everywhere in your iHeartRadio app. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh and Two Door Cinema Club.